everyone welcome back to pin the q productions pin the q podcast today we have chris ryan with us typically you'll see us in the studio um today we did a little something different where um i wanted to make it more of a at home interview uh, unfortunately i couldn't be in new jersey um to speak to chris one-on-one but uh you know in today's day of technology at least we we're able to do this and uh again i wanted to share his message and his story uh it's one that's very personal and one that i think um needs to be said but more important chris told me that he wanted to tell the story um so that's why we're here today so welcome back to the show chris uh Welcome. I appreciate you being here. It means a lot. I know we talked off camera about um, how important your message is and uh, how important this was for you to talk about. And also uh, the people in your life uh, that are very close to you told you how important this is to get your message out. So, Chris, welcome. Hey, Frank, thanks. You. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, I appreciate this uh, this opportunity. And uh, yeah, like uh, like you said, so many uh, I had a little. And I told you, you know, off before we got on, you know, I, I, I had a little bit of an apprehension initially, but, uh, you know, um, in talking through with my wife and some of my close friends, um, you know, it's, it's something that needs to be set straight as well as, you know, said openly. Right. Well, that's a good point too, because, you know, unfortunately we, we have some really great things about the fire service and we have some. Uh, not so great things. And, and one of the things is, you know, sometimes stories get twisted and, and uh, mis- misconstrued. So it's always coming from the horse's mouth is, is obviously the best, uh, the best approach always. Um, but Chris, before we get into that, um, I'd like to kind of go backwards a little bit and uh, tell me, like I ask all my guests, you know, and that is like, how did this start for you? I mean, how, how did, you know, Firefighter Ryan be- become a thing? Um. So... Would we go back to when I'm 19 years old? I'm in college. I'm playing baseball. You know, I'm going to go pro, obviously, just like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, of course. And uh, and that that quickly got halted. And uh, I was putting up pools for a living, you know, on a summer job. And I was in Cherry Hill, and I was putting a pool up down the street from the firehouse. And, uh, you know, 9 o'clock in the morning, I'm humping sand barrels back and forth, and I see – these guys sitting out in front of the firehouse drinking coffee, basically watching me. Yeah, it's not, a, and, not uh, an easy job, man, putting pools together. No, no, no. And, and you know, it's 98 degrees out. These yeah. dudes are sitting out front drinking coffee, you know, watching me and stuff like that. And I'm like, I see these guys and I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, I wonder what they do. You know, the fire truck sitting on the apron and stuff. And uh, we, we took a break and they're still sitting there. And I went over there and I asked one of the guys, I was like, hey, man. Is like, do you get paid to do this? And uh, he's like, yeah, this is this is this is our job. And I was like, well, how do I get this job? And he's like, well, where do you live? And I'm like, well, I live in Gloucester City. And he's like, oh yeah, they got a career department. He's like, you got to take the civil service test. And uh, I was like, oh, it's, it's all I got to do is just take the civil service test, and I can sit out front at nine o'clock in the morning and drink coffee. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So. You know, unbeknownst to me, uh, I went home that that day and I, I told my my wife at the time, um, "Hey, I'm gonna be a fireman." And she's like, yeah, "Okay, you're crazy. Nobody in my family's a fireman. You know, nobody. You know, I don't have any 
lineage or anything like that in my family or anything like that. And uh, that was going to be my next question. Like, you know, was this a calling where people in your family, because, mo- mo- you know, uh, most of these people on a job, they're, you know, volunteer or career, they always have somebody, you know? No, 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 you know, nobody in my family, you know. So I was living, uh, I was living in the Westville area, which is kind of down the road from Gloucester, you know, I'm born and raised in Gloucester and all that stuff, but I'm living, you know, down in Westville with my, uh, my wife and, uh, my first wife. Let me, let me just clarify this. <laughs> my first wife. All right. Um, yeah, I'm living there, you know, we're living in an apartment and, uh, I went and, and I joined the Westville fire department and there, you know, it's a volunteer department and I went and joined there and I was like, Hey, I'll be a career guy in Gulf city. I'm just using this as my stepping stone. And, uh, very quickly did I learn that shit don't work that way. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I joined there and, uh, got my, you know, I mean, I joined in July and, uh, you know, wildwood convention was in september and they're like hey this is you know we're going after the president's trophy and i didn't know nothing about any of that shit and you know cleaning the apparatus and spit shining or marching in the parade you know and i had my first introduction at 19 years old to you know the convention and and that's a whirlwind man if you're like a you know a young kid you know 19 years old you go to wildwood it's like utopia for the fire department you know for for at that age you don't know what's going on you know it's overwhelming really yeah yeah and i'm like this is this is crazy down here and i'm like this happens every year yeah there's a huge party (laughs) yeah um so you know and then i I, you know i go to the academy and you know i graduate you know the academy in, in 1997 um and then i'm like all right well i know i have to go to emt school because you got to be an EMT to work in the city of Gloucester. So I venture into the EMT program, which, you know, I went to Gloucester County uh, College EMS program. Great program. Guy runs it, still runs it. Great dude. Smart dude. Funny thing. We wind up working together years later when we get deployed to to Katrina. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, I run into him every now and then and I just kind of shake his hand and I smile and I'm like, you know, so I go to EMT school and I, I get through that. And back then I think it was a hundred and 150 bucks, hundred, hundred five hours, something like that to go to yeah. EMT school. What's it now? Like five, five hundred bucks? It is. No, it is a thousand dollars. Holy moly. That's just the Camden County fire Academy. EMT program is a thousand dollars. I think I got my EMT in 90. And I I don't remember what it costs, but you're probably around the same price. I mean, that's nuts. Yeah, it's like 100 bucks, like 150 bucks or something. Yeah. So, um, you know, I go into go to the EMT program, go through all that, and, uh, you know, got to take the state test and all that. And back then, they didn't have national registry or any shit like that. Um, It took me. And I believe I still hold the record in my department for the most times to pass the EMT test. <laughs> it took me five times. That's awesome. I, I literally had, so after you fail two times, you have to go through a, a core 13, what they used to yeah, call core yeah. 13. Yeah. I had to do that. And then I got two more chances to take it. And 
um you know i just had that you know that that dream of of bro, how of excited self. were you not to interrupt you bro but how excited were you, you finally got the letter where it says you know oh my says, god dude congratulations dude. <laughs> dude they told me flat out they're like look if you don't pay us at this time like you got to go back through the program oh. and uh you know it was uh it was a pain in the ass oh but, absolutely uh, you know we got it we got it done and you know we just just move forward with everything with the with the dream in mind and you know that 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 goal in mind to you know one day i'm gonna you know and uh work in gloucester and we went we wound up moving back uh into the city and uh uh i went you know i went took the test and uh i was uh i was actually i was i was going in on a on a house with uh two buddies of mine uh, they bought a house in Camden, uh, in, in uh, off of Collins Road in, in okay. Fairview. Right, right, right. And I was I was going in on that house with them, and I was going to you know go. To, we were going to go became the fireman. And uh, the day I was going to sign the lease, uh, Chief Glassman, who was the chief of the department at the time, he called me, like right as I was getting ready to walk out the door. It's crazy. And this this wasn't like the age of the cell phone. He called right, my right, house right, door. right. It's all about and timing. He's, yeah, he's like, "Hey, you want a job?" I'm like, "A job doing what?" He's like, "Being a fireman." I'm like, uh, "Can I call you back?" And he's like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> so I call, I call my two buddies, and I'm like, "Hey, they just offered me a provisional position in in Gloucester in the fire department," and they're like, "Dude, take it, take it," because you know we haven't gotten, you know, we haven't gotten right. offered anything for Camden. Right. You're like going through emotions right now. trying to find a job. Yeah. So they're like, dude, you got to, you got to jump on this opportunity. Yeah. You know, I took the job, you know, eight months later, these, these, you know, these two guys, uh, wind up getting on the job and, uh, you know, one of them, uh, Eli Hall, he just, he just retired as a engine tens captain and, uh, Mikey Miller, uh, he's captain over at squad seven. Um, you know, we, we, you know, we cut our teeth together in Westville, you know, with this dream of being career firemen. And I think it, at that time, I think Westville fire department in that little time span, I think they turned out like eight dudes within a, a year that got on the job somewhere from Mount Laurel to the airport, um, Camden, Cherry Hill. Like we all, you know, we were all young kids with this dream. That's yeah, awesome. And we all got picked up in these departments. That's awesome, bro. So you know, it's a good thing you did what you did, man, because I tell you, you know, it, certainly even then, it wasn't easy to get on the job. I mean, now it's even harder, but back then it was even harder, I think, to get on. Yeah, I think I think it's absolutely harder back then to get on the yeah, job. I agree. Than it is than it is now. And and we could talk about down the road a little bit down the road here about why I think it's easier to get on the job now than it was then. It was definitely tough back then. And the one thing you, you mentioned was, well, I, I do believe in the universe, man. I think that timing is everything in life because like you picking up that phone call, right? As you're walking out the door, like you said, it wasn't a, a cell phone error. Like you couldn't just get a text message back then, you know? Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. And I, I had to call Chief Glassman back and he's like, oh, did you make up your mind? Did you, you know, <laughs> talk to you how to talk to, you know? And uh, yeah, he must like, be yeah. like, crazy what is the guy nuts he don't know what to take his job right he don't want to take the job but it was but it was a job it was a it was a position it was a provisional position right 
And, you know, when I, when I went into the department, he's like, Hey, you have to come out in the top tier of the test to keep your job or you're going to lose your job. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's not, that's, you know, even more pressure. Yeah. Um, added on to me with the, you know, but there was a, there was a bunch of us, you know, even, even like the chief of the department, my chief of my department now, like we, he got hired like a year and a half before I did provisionally. Wow. You know, we cut our teeth together for, for all those years working the bus yeah. and, you know, together. And, uh, you know, it, it, we all had to go through the same thing. Now, what were you doing at the time for a job before you got, you know, before you got this phone call from the chief, what were you doing? I was driving a forklift. I was driving a forklift working in a warehouse in Westville for the chief of the Westville fire department at the time, Chuck Murtaugh. Um, good man. You know, he took care of me, looked out for me. Um, I was working for him in a warehouse in a paper warehouse. It was a paper company. And, uh, I was driving a forklift. Bro, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned the chief uh, from the volunteer department because I'll tell you, man, being a young kid, you know, like you, I followed just like you did, man, joining the volunteer department uh, when I was very young. It's funny how, like, the life experience you get from these guys at the firehouse, you know, the things you pick up on that you, you weren't taught before you get to the firehouse, you know, like, and, and that's one of the things I've always said. Like, you always find a job at the firehouse, you know, someone's always got some side hustle or, you know, some job or somebody knows somebody that hasn't get you a job. So here you are working for the chief. I mean, it's pretty cool. And, yeah. I mean, that's what it was. It was, it was a, it was a, it was a side hustle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I got, you know, the, the chief came in one day, he's like, yeah, Yo, you want a job? I'm like, I got a job right now. He's like, yeah, but you want a job working for me? <laughs> and I was like, okay. Yeah. So it, it's yeah. cool how that works out, man. I I love hearing stories like that. And you're obviously not the first guy that's ever said that to me, man. And, and you know, it brings me back to when I was younger and stuff, getting those jobs from the people at the firehouse. It was, it was always good connections, man. It was like, I seen you smile when you brought up the, the chief's name, thinking back about those times. Like, you know, you, you reminisce about it. It makes you, it makes yeah. you smile. You know, it was good memories. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 19 years old. I'm, yeah. I'm going to be 45 on Friday. You know oh, what nice. I mean? I'm not, a, I'm not a young man anymore, you know? And, you know, I still see, uh, I still see, see chief Murtaugh every now and then. And, you know, I shake his hand and, you know, I, I just look at, I don't say anything. I just look at him and I smile. Yeah. You know, Cause I, I really don't have any words cause, yeah. uh, you know, he took care of me and, uh, you know, so is one of those people that I'm where I'm at now because of that dude, you know, because of him. That's good stuff, man. That that the kind of stuff we're talking about when we talk about like, you know, the firehouse culture and things that happen within those the, those four walls that have fallen through a firehouse, man. It's amazing uh, what what people become from those four walls, man. It's always awesome. To yeah, see. and that was the, that department that I was in, Westville. You know, as a volunteer, I mean, we went to a lot. You know, we went to a lot of things. We went to a lot of shit. We went to fires. We went to accidents. Um. I got a lot of good experience, but one thing that that fire department told me, taught me was the, you know, you, you, you know, you play the part, but you got to look the part. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They taught me, you, you know, you have to have discipline. You have to, you know, uh, you have to wear blue, you know, blue dicky pants and a job shirt. When we go cover somewhere, you know, you have to be, you have to represent, you know, 
And, you know, it taught me that and it taught me to have, you know, pride in the apparatus and, and the equipment and all these things that, you know, I still preach to this day to people. Um, you know, I remember I was leaving, I was, I was hired on a Monday at the firehouse and I was leaving my job working for the chief in the warehouse. And we had a, an accident at like nine o'clock in the morning on two ninety five, And, uh, it was a rescue assignment. This lady in a Honda civic just got clobbered by a dude that came from the opposite side of the road in the oh, air. Oh man. He clobbered her. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're cutting this lady out of the car. I mean, she's pinned in there really good. You know, we get the door off and she had like bilateral femur fractures. Oh man. Uh, bilateral, uh, humerus fractures. I mean, she was really, I mean, they landed a helicopter and we're on 295, seven minutes away from Cooper, um, the trauma center. I mean, that you're landing helicopters for that. Yeah, it's bad. And it kind of, it kind of like after everything was said and done, I, I kind of went over and I sat on the guardrail and I got this weird taste in my mouth. And I was like, I guess I turned greener a little bit or a little white. And uh, I remember Eli Hall walking by me and he looks at me and he goes, yo, you all right? And I'm like, I don't know, bro. I feel kind of weird. Like I'm queasy. <laughs> and he goes, just think Monday morning, you're going to do this for a living. <laughs> And I'm like, thanks, man. That's awesome. So, yeah, but. Well, he's right. <laughs> yeah, I, she was absolutely right. Yeah, and, that's you know, shit got real, real fast. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it gets real, real fast. So, so, so when you didn't have to go to the academy because you already had your fire cert, right? Yes. I didn't okay. have to go to the academy. We, you know, they hired a, uh, a shit ton of us, probably nine of us provisionally. Wow. Within like a two year span. That's a lot of guys. That's a lot of guys provisionally. Yeah. And it's like, yo, you got to come up, up in the top to keep your job. Right. You know, and back then, you know, you were, you were having in, in Gloucester, you know, you'd have 50 people on the list. Mm -hmm. You know, now we're lucky we get fucking 10. And you're talking about 200, maybe 300 people taking the test, right? I mean, it was nuts. Yeah. I mean, it's like I said, <laughs> Down the road a little bit, we could talk about. Oh, yeah. like, I know exactly what you're going to say, bro. Because I see it too. It's yeah. it's not it's not the same. No, it's not. It's it's not the same. You know, back in the day, you know, your one provisional spot. There's ten dudes that will kill a small family to get away <laughs> with it to take your job and not even bad. That's enough. no joke, man. You're dead serious. I know, man. It's serious. It's great. People were nuts back then. But it's it doesn't seem to be that way now. No. It's not. It doesn't seem to be that way now. It's almost like you got to go knock on their door and be like, hey, man. Are you interested you want, in becoming a fireman? You want a, yeah. Not you want a job. You want a career. And they're like, uh, well, what are the hours? Yeah. You got to work two days a week, 98 days a year. Eight days a month, 98 days a year. Uh, what well, do I have to work holidays? <laughs> and I'm like, never mind. Bro, no. it's yeah. There's too much to be said about that that whole conversation, so I'll leave it at that. But yeah, yeah well, yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, we could. You, we you're could you're absolutely that. right, though, bro. And you're you're definitely spinning. You're, you're speaking my language because that that's definitely an issue now. It's it's more of an issue than it's ever been. But yeah. so you so day one, 
you're at the firehouse, you're, you're provisional. So you have that stress of, man, I got to do really well to stay here. So tell me what it was like for you that first week on the job. Like, walk me, walk <laughs> me through that, man. Walk me through that. Because this, this is a pivotal point in your life, you know? This is what you wanted to get to back from the time when, you know, you saw those guys sitting on the apron when you're, you know, slinging concrete. So here you are. Tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah, and I, dude, I used to, I used to run by the firehouse, you know, practicing for the physical at nighttime. I used to run by the firehouse and tell myself one day I'm going to work there and I'm not going to mention any names, but I will say that one day I was with Westville and we were covering there because the, the career staff was at the burn building and there was a, a career guy there. And he comes out and my buddy says to him, hey, you know, this kid right here, he wants to work here one day. And this guy looked right at me and he goes, you'll never work here. You'll never work here. So here we are all these years later. You're not there and I'm still here. Yeah. Bro, those are the best people in the world to to have say that to you because there's nothing nothing sweeter than when you show them when you show them they're wrong, you know? Yeah. But I mean, it was just, you know, just a little more fuel to the fire for the physical. That's all that was. Absolutely. And, um, you know, first day I go in and uh, my two, two of my buddies are, are, you know, back then we had with an ambulance, with an engine and we had a ladder. Okay. And two guys worked on a bus, the lieutenant and the, the chauffeur worked on the engine. And then there was one guy on the ladder. That was it. That was our staffing, five guys. Wow. And, you know, when you come in as a junior man, you start off on the bus. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're a firefighter. The ambulance has air packs. You have fire gear. It's all in the ambulance. But you got to run EMS calls. And at that time, we were running 2,600 ambulance calls a year. Oof. We're the single busiest ambulance. And we stayed that way all up until 2000 and I think, 11, 2010, when the the city took the bus away. Um, we're the single busiest ambulance in Camden County. What a glorious day that must have been. Uh, I, and, I, and that last day, that last tour, that night tour, I was a senior man on a shift, and I asked the battalion if I could work on the bus for that last 12 hours. And um, so, yeah, I go in, and uh, a buddy of mine's working, and two of my, two of my friends are working the ambulance. Um, Dennis. And wouldn't you believe it, Tommy Stewart, he's working a bus. And, you know, he was talking to me about this, you know, getting on the job and everything. And every time I would run into him and I, and I knew Tommy growing up, right. I knew his brother growing up. We lived around the corner from each other. And, uh, you know, in, I was talking to him a couple months leading up to it. And, you know, I walk in the door and he's sitting in the chair with his leg underneath his ass. I don't know how he sat like that in the, in the chair <laughs> and his hat on backwards smoking a Marlboro late 100 and he's like well you got what you wished for he's like let's hope you don't regret it <laughs> and that was my first my first day at, at the firehouse was with my buddy Dennis and him so those those first two days because back then we used to work 10s and 14s so you got two 10-hour days two 14-hour nights and then you were off for four days gotcha so Monday and Tuesday I had those guys and then Wednesday and Thursday I had these other cats 
And the other guys I worked with were Michael and Michael. <laughs> now the one Michael is now retired. He's pe- he he uh, he re- pensioned off the job due to an injury. Okay. The other Michael is the chief of the department now. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and those guys treated me horribly. First day I went them, we go to Wawa in the morning. I go to get out of the back of the ambulance and I get out and the, the now chief looks at me and goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm going into Wawa. He's like, no, you're not. Stay in the ambulance. Then we had to go to some store or whatever, and I go to get out of the ambulance, and he goes, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm getting out of the ambulance. He goes, no, you're not. Stay in the ambulance. He's like, you're not getting out. And I literally sat in the back of the ambulance going, I don't think I can do this for a living. I can't work with these two jokers. As well. You know? Yeah. they, 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 you know, I mean, as time went on, we got to know each other. We became really good friends. We did a lot of crazy shit together on and off the job. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, now now the one is the chief of the department, you know, and I, I you know, I talk to him all the time. We're we're good friends. Um so yeah, the first week was uh it was crazy. It was it it, it seemed like it went by so fast, right. but it seems like I can remember everything that happened Monday through Friday and- to this day. And that's specifically why I asked you, you know, like, how was your first week? Do you remember your first week? Because people remember their first week is like, they can't, they can't forget it. It's like burn in their memory. You know, it was such a, often people say, oh, it's like winning the lottery, you know? Finally- oh, it's, the best, it's the best job. It's the best job in the world. I tell kids that now, congratulations. You won the fucking lottery. Yep. Oh yeah. By the way, here's a list of things that this job owes you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely nothing. Yep, I love it. Which, which is, you know, I know we're we're jumping ahead, but man, you're you're uh, you're teaching at the academy now, right? So yeah, I dabble in in you know I, I dabble down there in the academy. I, I help out when I can. Um, have, uh, you know, m- mainly working for safety and survival. Uh, Danny Dorenzo hey, uh, is awesome the president. Awesome. President and CEO, um, I helped, and I'm I'm privileged and honored to say that I, I helped found the company uh, way back when. You know, a couple of us, Danny, uh, Chris Santone. Um, you know, we had this crazy dream of after the Fourth of July fire, we're like, hey, we got to do something. You know, because it wasn't shit wasn't written, safety survival wasn't prevalent like it is now, and uh, you know, Danny. You know, forged. He took that the helm, and you know, made the made the company. And you know, we we ran through a couple of academies, and you know, we've been private since uh, 2010. So it's an LLC now. Um, some of the best guys uh, in the in the that I feel in in around here work for this company. These guys make me better at what I do for a living. Um, it forces you, you know, to work with these guys and, and, and they're guys from all over the state. Got guys, we got guys from the FDNY, Jimmy Ogle from 14 truck, uh, Derek Baker from rescue one over in Philly, uh, Mark Furka is a captain of ladder five in North, like all these guys, Chrissy Santone, Jason Houck, Bob McDermott, you know, all these dudes with all this knowledge. 
And to work for the company, you know, you, you got to be on your game. Absolutely. Because if you ain't, you ain't going to work for the company, you know, go, go work somewhere else because, you know, we're, we're, we're at the top. Uh, We used to do a lot of fire stuff. We did a lot of RIT. We did a lot of safety and survival when we first started out. We still do that. We still do a lot of fire stuff, but mainly we're doing a lot of uh, special operations, right? We do rope. We do confined space. We do swift water, um, ice rescue, you know, you name it, trench. And that's, they call it special operations for a reason because you need special people to be in those companies. You need special people to do those things. So, you know, the guys that work in this company, they're special dudes, you know, and their, their knowledge is, is, is second to none when it comes to this stuff in this business. The, re- the reason I made you fast forward there into the uh, to the academy stuff is because it's interesting to listen to you thinking like you're walking past this firehouse, seeing these dudes out there drinking coffee, and now you were fast forward. Now you're teaching. Funny thing is, is one of the dudes that I talked to at that firehouse winds up being my instructor in the academy. Oh, that's awesome. Fast forward past that. I wind up teaching with him together so talk about full circle oh yeah and this job man there's tons of that tons of full circle that's for sure we i wind up we wind up being instructor staff together teaching together you know and i'm like dude i remember walking up to you and he's like i don't even remember that i'm like i remember it was you the distinct mustache and right 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 yeah and you you know your name and everything and and here we go all these years later and now we're teaching together yeah you were my mentor now now we're together now you're shoulder to shoulder which is awesome yeah but yeah i teach you know i i I teach i do what i can down at down at the academy um my uh my former chief of the department chief glassman is now the uh he's now the director at, at camden county fire academy um you know, a mentor of mine, someone I looked up to in the business, someone I still look up to. Um, you know, I, 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 I started down there in 2004, um, you know, and, and when, when things came back around for me, um, you know, one of my goals was to get, to get back down there. You know, I, I'd been there from 2004 to 2012 and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to get back down there and, you know, I, I, I enjoy it. I, you know, cause I get to see the kids, you know, I spent all weekend this past weekend, Saturday and Sunday down there, um, you know, giving, you know, people to knife hand <laughs> as much as my wife told me not to do that to people. But I, sometimes that's just how I talk with my, I'm Irish, but I yeah. talk with my hands. <laughs> um, you know, just seeing these, these kids coming in and, 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 it for you know when you teach it forces you to be good you got to stay up on all the material you got to stay up on the books you got to stay up with not saying that the the book is the answer because <laughs> i'll be the first one to tell you and there's a lot of dudes out there that'll tell you bobby eckert included mm-hmm. good friend of mine that you know i don't know who's writing these books yeah but they're just doing it to make money it's funny when some I... of the some of the stuff they're showing it's like are you kidding me? I remember sitting down with Bobby when I did, you know, when we had 
interview with him, man, and, and we had a lot of fun. I mean, actually, we did it right in his backyard, man. We did, we had yeah, awesome yeah. I watched it, yeah. And and it. he said the same thing, bro. He's like, bro, these books, and and I, it's we we reminisce about the books. I I remember reading the same books he's talking about, like back in the day, you know. Yeah, the it's the manual, yellow book, like, yellow what, cover. Yeah, yeah. It's like what what are, what are they even saying here, man? All the pictures were of like uh, some fire department in Texas. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it, it keeps me grounded, you know, um, and, and it keeps me in what's going on. You know, I don't rest on what we did in 1997. Right. And there's dudes out there that are still doing that. They're still resting on mm-hmm. what we did in 1997. And I'm like, bro, shit's changed, man. Yeah. A lot of shit's changed, especially Rest-up. with the whole ULFSRI stuff out there now. I mean. I remember yelling at people for spraying hose lines and windows. Oh, you're going to push the fire. You're going to push the fire. And here they've proven that you can't do that. You know, right. it's, it's better for the people that are in there doing yeah. that. Gives us up to, I mean, when we find out people are actually surviving those conditions, it's, it's like mind blowing, you know, yeah. mind. I mean, if the FDNY, if the biggest, baddest fire department in the country, is going and using this tactic they have. It's called the four S's um, for a transitional attack. Now, uh, if they're doing it, bro, we've been doing it for decades. We yeah. just didn't call, we just didn't call it that. We've been doing it that way because we had no choice. Because when you show up on a fire for the first five minutes and you got five dudes, mm-hmm. one of them's got to pump the truck. You got four dudes. Mm-hmm. You got to do something. Yeah. I just wish I would have I would have named it the transitional attack. I mean, on our promotional, our last promotional test, it was something that you could say, like that was a tactic that you could use. So the, the division, the state of New Jersey, they're they're they've adopted that whole thing. You know, I know there's guys out there that are like, absolutely, you can't spray water from the outside, and that's you know, you're being a bitch and all this stuff like that. Well, you know what? Are you the dude that shows up with 15 dudes in under two minutes? Or you're the dude that shows up with six dudes and you're there for seven minutes by yourself. Cause that makes a difference. So. Yeah. Listen, there's a lot to be said about training and there's a lot to be said about what you read versus what you actually do. Yeah. You know, we, we, I say it all the time. Knowledge in the absence of experience is just a theory. Fact. You can read all the books you want. You can watch all the videos you want. And believe me, I'm a big proponent of that. I do that all the time. But unless you have that experience behind the, that to back that up, it is just a theory mm-hmm. as far as you know. I think Bob Pressler said that. He did. He did say that. So you're in the fire department. You got your, you got your heels dug in. This is what you want to do. You're happy you're there. Kind of talk to me about like where your where your career is bringing you now. Like where, where was your first assignment? You told me you were on the bus, right? So you're doing that. You got that. Then what happened? Yeah. So I'm on the I'm on the bus, and uh, you know I was um, I mean leading leading up to 2002. So we're we're my first day is May 8th of 2000. It's my first day. So leading up to that, um, you know, I'm going through my training. Um, I literally got my EMT and got hired like six months later. Wow. Or no, 
I had my EMT for like probably a year, but I didn't really use it. I didn't practice. I didn't work on the ambulance. I didn't go on it. The volunteer ambulance that we had in Westville, I didn't, I didn't do any of that really. But, you know, I kicked myself in the ass for it because I didn't, I should have gotten some experience. Um, but, you know, you, you get thrown to the, you get thrown to the wolves. I mean, you <laughs> ride as a third for like a week. Yeah. But what does that do? What's a week do? And then they're like, yeah, here you go, man. Good luck with that shit. And, uh, you know, this is a city that I grew up in. This is a city that I still live in. Um, the funny thing was the first ambulance call that I had as, as an official, you know, by myself guy. Right. It's just you and one other person. You can't, can't hide. That's it. Yeah. And he don't wear a long white coat right. with the initials DR in front of his first name. Right. Right. <laughs> so we get called no shit to the house that I grew up in. We get called at a house that I grew up in. I, I obviously I didn't live there anymore. Um, there's a railroad track that separates, you know, the west and east side of the city. Okay. You know, they, back then they used to say, you know, the bad section was towards the river. The good section was on the other side. <clears throat> now it's not that way so much. Um, it's kind of migrated to both sides of the tracks now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no shit. I get called to the house that I grew up in. That's crazy. I literally walked in the house with my partner. You're like, I know the layout. Yeah, the dude was laying on the couch and he was having trouble breathing. And, uh, you know, I said, hey, sir, you know, we're the fire department. What's what's going on? I said, can you do me a favor and put the cigarette out? And uh, I'm like, you're having trouble breathing, huh? And he's like, yeah. And as he's putting his cigarette out, I'm like, well, I wonder why. And I said, here, man, here's some oxygen. And then literally I, I, I was like, to my partner, I'm like, Hey, this is our, this was our living room. This is our dining room. You know, I, I my bedroom was upstairs over here. You know, it was, it was just the weirdest thing that the yeah. first call I ever get is to the house that I grew up in. That's, with my, that's, with pretty, my brother that's pretty cool, man. Yeah. So weird. But yeah, I mean, we're, and it's just, you know, we were, well, like I said, we were on tens of 14s then. So you had two 10 hour days, two 14 hour nights, and then you were off for four days. Right. Uh, and in that in that time, uh, I, I I picked up a part time job working as an ER tech in one of the local hospitals. And um, that job wound up later down the road in my life. That job wound up really, really saving my ass. Um, but it also that experience that I should have had coming into it. I got like a crash course in working in the ERs. Yeah, I was thinking when you said it, I'm like, what a what a better job to get, man, working in the ER. I mean, because it's it's so fluid there, man. It's crazy. Everything happens like that. Yeah. And you you know, you don't you don't like, oh my God, what do we do? Yeah. Well, the guy in the white lab coat <laughs> with the DR in front of his name. Yeah. We just go we'll just go ask him. Yeah. He'll yeah. know. That's his job. Yeah. And you know, and you 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 know, you got to pick up so much. You know, I learned so much. Um you know, you get this, you know, you might only spend 10 minutes with these people going from their house to the hospital, but now I spend the next eight hours with them right? and see how their care progresses and the interventions that they've had to do, you know, for whatever they came in for, you know, whether it be respiratory, cardiac, you know, CVA, whatever, you right. get to see that long-term, that care that they're getting in the ER now. So 
picked up a lot of experience doing that. And then, uh, and then my buddy, Tommy, he decides to start a board up business, boarding up for house fires. Right. You know? So all the guys in the firehouse are like, yeah, we'll, we'll work for you. So we're driving all over Camden County and Gloucester County, boarding up houses at all hours of the morning. And he starts this business. Well, the business grows from just a board up company to now we're doing restoration construction. And I mean, he had like, I don't know, eight dudes from the firehouse working for him. Plus a bunch of other dudes. Uh, you know, he was growing his business. Um, and then, you know, when then July of, you know, well, hold on, let me, let me back up. So September 11th, 2002, I worked the night before the next day they were having, we were having a drill with the city of Camden, with Paco police, with all kinds of different agencies that have all kinds of letters, one of them being the FBI and all this stuff. We were doing a mock terrorism hazmat attack in a subway in Camden. Okay. This was planned before the day before 9-11. So I go, I get up that morning, I go home to get changed because I have to come back for the training. And I literally walk in the back door, you know, I walk in the back door, I go out into the bay and there's a TV out in the bay on a soda machine. And I notice the guys working are all sitting there and they're like glued to the TV. And I walk out in the bay and one of the guys says, yo, man, they're just fired. I got in New York. And I look up at the TV and I'm like, holy shit, that's a World Trade Center. I'm like, there is no way in hell that a trash can started that fire. There's no way in hell. It's concrete sprinkler building not knowing what was going on yeah in the back of the bay there's three fbi guys sitting there my next thing you know we're watching the tv we see the second plane hit the tower we're like what the hell was that the chief of the department comes out of his office with this paper in his hand and it's a it's a blown up picture of the news footage off his computer of an airplane going into the tower and he comes running out in the bay and he goes, hey, FBI guys, you might want to might want to look at this. And the next thing you know, their phones are ringing. They run out the door, not knowing what the hell's going on. But then again, then probably four hours later, I find myself at Liberty State Park in Jersey City. Yep. Um, you know, right across the river with. You know, by then the towers had collapsed and everything like that. And, you know, just sitting there because they sent us up as with a task force and just watching, you know, this pile of rubble and, you know, the smoke and everything coming off lower Manhattan. And, uh, you know, not, not realizing the, the impact that later on in my life that that day would have on me. I know your story, so um, not all of it. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously going to learn today, but I know that part of it because of our conversation we had at the firehouse that day. Uh, when I, when I had the privilege to come to your firehouse and, and meet, you know, meet the guys in the house. Uh, so I literally was just thinking what you were telling me as you said it, 
kind of gave me goose goosebump because I know exactly what you're talking about. So yeah, I as you're saying it, I'm thinking exactly what you're 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 saying. So I yeah, I understand. Yeah. So um the weird thing is before well no no after that so fast forward to um may of 2002 maybe a little before that um my daughter you know was like two years old and she was doing some like child modeling thing and we were running her up to Manhattan to do, you know, modeling stuff up there. And I stopped by, uh, we were in Chelsea. Okay. I think it was, uh, I think it was ladder 12 engine three. You just happened to be walking down the street and I had an IFF shirt on and the door was open and the guy, two guys were standing there and they're like, Hey brother, you know, you want a job, blah, blah, blah. You know, we got to talking and all this shit. And, um, you know, he's like, you know, we're talking about the demographics of Gloucester and, you know, you know, this and that. And, uh, you know, before I left, he's like, hey, man, you know, be safe out there, bro. He said, because honestly, you got five dudes in a small city. You know, we got an army behind mm-hmm. us. He's like, you guys are more at risk of losing someone than we are. I mean, their, their first alarm alarm assignment's ridiculous, man. Like, I, yeah, it's 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 you know the the transmission at a ten seventy five all hands. I think is seventy five guys. That's crazy, man. Seventy five. I I I, you know, um, joke with uh, one of the guys that works for for Danny and SST, Dan, Jimmy Ogle, who works at fourteen truck. I said, you guys don't put fire out with water. You just you you all show up <laughs> and you take a deep breath. And then the oxygen goes away and the fire goes out. <laughs> and, you know, he laughs, you know, I mean, obviously that's not the case. You know, recently they had that job in Staten Island yeah, with three yeah. brothers and, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, you know, God bless them and hopefully, you know, for their families and, you know, they recover quickly. And, um, you know, they, I think they just had a, another job today or something like that. I just saw it was like four alarms or something, um, you know, Work business is not slowing down for them. No, no, it's not. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and that was, uh, that was a couple months before July, 2002. So it was just weird that, that, that guy had said that to me, you know, and all these years later, I think back to that conversation and I'm like, wow, you know, he's like, you know, be careful, man. You know, here, so, you're, here you're thinking like, yeah, bro, thanks, man. You too. And you're not having any idea what, yeah. you know, how this is going to impact you, man. It's, it's, it's wild. Yeah, because in my eyes and, you know, in little, in little tiny Gloucester city, I mean, let's be honest right now, there's 14 to 15,000 people that live here in a 2.5 square mile city. It is a fair, it's, it, you know, you could, you could blink and almost drive through the city. But, but you do have some fire load there. Oh my God. It's, it's, you I know, mean, you know, you do. We're, 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 we're one of the oldest cities in, in the state. Yeah. I think the inception of the city was like 1623. Um, I know some guys might hammer me on that, but I know it's 16 something. I, I want to say 1623. Yeah. That, that's so, a long time ago, bro. <laughs> let's say old, yeah, let's old. just go with old. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, I mean, I used to live in a house that was built in the 1800s, you know? So, uh, you know, we run and we run the gamut for building construction, yep. anything you could think of from type one to type five. And then if you want to throw type six hybrid in there, we can play that game too here. Um, and we got everything, everything you could think of row frames, ordinary rows, standalone Victorian balloon frames, Marine. You know, yeah. Type one or yeah. type two big. Uh, we have one of the largest, I think it's the largest refrigerated warehouse on the East Coast, if not the country. And it has the largest solar array on the East Coast on the roof. And that's right out back at a firehouse. That's wild. So when that son of a bitch catches on fire, they're going to be able to see that shit from space. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what I mean when I say fire low. I mean, you guys, you know, I remember going to your city and, uh, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, me researching on Google about it. I, I had the privilege to go and check out what you guys have there. And, and uh, I remember driving around the city and I'm like, man, this is nuts, man. Thinking about all you guys have to worry about there. It's 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 wild. And the first thing that came to mind there in your city is you got to be aggressive. You have to be yeah. aggressive, man, because, you know. That's why, like I said, the transitional attack, man, that's, we've been doing that for decades because you got, you know, we like, you know, like I I like to tell guys, we small unit tactics, just like the military, just like the SF guys use small unit tactics. How do 12 SF guys beat 30 insurgents, small unit tactics. Right. And, and that's kind of the philosophy that I know I've adopted. And a lot of guys I work with that we have to use small unit tactics if we're going to make a stand here, otherwise, you know, we're working for the demolition company and we're just making parking lots. No, no doubt. So you're, you're at the, you're at work, <clears throat> things are moving along. You have this conversation with, with this guy in FDNY, not realizing the gravity of that conversation. And then t- tell me what happens, bro. Let, let me know what happens. So July 4th, 2002 i'm working i'm on the, i'm on the bus uh we're a little busy uh you know we get runs here and there we were supposed to be in the fourth of july parade um but uh we wound up getting a, a car fire and uh the, the lieutenant was like hey man just you guys just go back to the firehouse and get cleaned up you know don't worry about the parade or whatever and uh I remember seeing Tommy that day a lot in the firehouse. I think I saw him like three or four times and he wasn't working. And I'm like, and he's coming in and he's using the phone at the firehouse. And I'm like, that's weird. Why isn't he just using his cell phone? All right. And, uh, you know, I think it was like, we were, they, they had the fireworks down at the high school and, uh, the Lieutenant comes to me and he says, Hey, you got to go with the guy chauffeuring the ladder for the fireworks. You got to go down and help him set up the ladder. And I'm like, okay. So we go down to the high school. We help set up the ladder. And uh, I see Tommy. And I'm like, what are, what are you doing? And he's got a he's got a bullhorn strapped over the front of him. <laughs> I'm like, what the, what the fuck are you doing, bro? And he's like, I'm going to propose to Danielle tonight. Oh man! So he's going to climb up the aerial that's hanging out over this field that all the people are sitting in for the fireworks. Before the fireworks, he's going to go up there, and his his girl's sitting down in the audience, 
and he's going to propose to her. On the bullhorn. On the bullhorn. That's why I had the damn bullhorn over top of him. And I was like, son of a bitch. I'm like, oh, that's a pretty good idea, dude. I, I'll give it to you on that one, bro. And uh, that was the last, you know, I, I, I remember him coming down and, I, you know, I shook his hand. I gave him a hug. And I was like, you son of a bitch. And, uh, you know, he just smiled with his, you know, typical smile. And, uh, you know, put a, put a Marlboro Light 100 in his mouth and he just drawled on a cigarette. He just smiled back and winked at me. And I was like, that's pretty good, man. I'll give it to you, T. And that was the last time I ever saw him. Wow. Well, not the last time, but uh, it's the last time I ever got a chance to talk to him. So, fast forward to 1.30 in the morning-ish, standing out front of the firehouse. And back then, I smoked cigarettes. You know, we everybody smoked back then in 2002. I mean, it was the cool thing to do, right? Um, even my wife smoked. My wife now. Um, so, I'm standing out in front of the firehouse. I'm smoking a cigarette, and I see one of the cops coming off the side street and he was coming over and he was going to pull on the apron, you know, the cops stop out all the time with bullshit stuff like mm-hmm. that. And he goes, to, he pulls onto the street and he goes to pull on the street. I hear that the police tones going off in the, in the bay and I hear them, you know, dispatch, you know, telling the cops that they have a fire in Gloucester with people trapped. And this is before our house tones go off. And I turn around and I start running back in the firehouse. I run over to the bus. I open up the door. I throw my gear on. And the lieutenant and the chauffeur. Now, the chauffeur that day, and this is this is important to the story because the guy that was chauffeuring that day, me and the lieutenant were the only guys on the shift that were from the shift. Everybody else was on overtime. The guy chauffeuring that day, we called Papa. George Cannell. We called him Papa. Guy didn't move fast for anybody. Guy had Velcro shoes. <laughs> his his paramedic certification in the state of New Jersey was in the two digits. Holy moly. Yeah. So you want to talk about the guy that wrote the book, got the movie rights, has the poster? That's this dude. He's a Vietnam medic, right? Two tours in Vietnam. Oh, wow. Like, so he's been there, done that whole yeah. nine yards. He don't move fast for anything because he's like, well, if we don't get there, how are we going to help? And I just remember putting my pants on and looking up and seeing my lieutenant run out. And he didn't run a whole lot either. And then I looked up and I see George running out of the door. And he's running. And that is the first time I ever saw him run. And I was like, holy shit. This is going to be bad if this dude's running. And, uh, you know, we get in the truck and, you know, we zoom out there and, uh, you know, we turn on the Broadway and it looked like the sun had come up where the Waldman Bridge was. Um, you know, we had two, three, three-story twins, uh, you know, corner, right on the corner. The uh, corner property was burning to beat the band. I mean, it first and second floor, well involved. Um I got off the truck. I saw a lady in a window. Uh, there was a guy running around in his underwear. Um, you know, and I was just like, wow, this is, this is weird. You know, typical Gloucester, you know, somebody's running around in their underwear. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, lady in the window. All right, so you know, it went out as people trapped. Um, so you know, it goes out as people trapped. Like when you pull up, and there's somebody hanging out a window. It, you know, it's like a trash man turning the corner and seeing a bunch of trash. Like, right. You expect they're it. not surprised. Right. You know what I mean? That's what they said. That's what you're there for. Right. And, uh, you know, not to get into really delving into the, to the whole 4th of July. I mean, it, there's a lot that goes into that fire. Um, and things that happened, things that if, and I tell people when I talk about the fire all the time, if that fire happens on Friday when I go to work, I do things differently. I have more tra- I have more knowledge, more training, more experience. I'm going to do things differently. Now, granted, I'm not saying that that the that the outcome isn't the same. Uh, nobody can say that, but I know for me, I do things differently you know, then, then I, then I did back in 2002, but I, I was a young, it was a young kid. I was a volunteer for four years. I'm a career guy for two and a half years. I mean, for Christ's sake, I had a Superman pen in my pocket, right? (laughs) Right. I'm fucking Superman. Like I know everything. I know all about this job. I'm a career guy. I know all about this job. I know everything there is to know. And then that fire happens. And then I realized, holy shit, you have no idea what you're doing. Um, you know, so things 38 minutes into it, um, I come outside to get my bottle changed. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we, we had a missing member, you know, this and that, and all these things and I remember seeing Tommy and I remember seeing him go in the house and I just remember saying to myself man it is so damn hot and I was drinking a bottle of water I'm getting my bottle changed and I'm like all right let's we 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 got to get back in there you know what I mean this fire ain't out yet there's still fire on the third floor you know we're not taking a knee you know back then and still to this day when total fire goes out, that's when we can stop. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This, this. I'm going to go out and take a knee, talk to some friends. Let's rotate. No, that's bullshit. I'm not stopping until the fire goes out. So, um, I'm thinking that, and then the next thing you know, I look up and I hear a crack, and the building falls down right in front of me. And I'm like, holy shit! Like I was literally picking my helmet up to go walk in there and i'm like oh my god i saw tommy walk in there i saw johnny west standing on the porch so it it was the weirdest thing like we all just kind of stood there and all like oh you know what what do we do now rit wasn't a big thing back then i don't i you can bring people on here to talk. Oh, well, I did, you know, this, but, but, but it wasn't a big thing. I don't even, I, I don't even know who the RIT team was. Couldn't even tell you. So I'm, I'm like, holy shit. Now the, the chiefs are getting together and they're getting, trying to get who's missing. 
And uh, one of the cops from Brooklawn is standing there. He's got a clipboard. Weird thing is, my friend Eli, who wanted to be a Camden fireman and and I was going on in the house with and we were Westville firemen together, he's the cop standing there with the clipboard. And he shows me the clipboard and I said, I said, Eli, who's missing? He shows me the clipboard and I see Tommy's name. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit. But I don't, I, I don't know what to do. So I'm like, I got to call my wife. So he's doing accountability? Yeah, the, the cop had the accountability of wow. who was missing. Wow. Like I said, there are so many, there are so many things that go along with this job. Right, right. And there's so many things that. I'm not looking went, to get into the tactics. I was just curious when you said, you know, that, you know, that the cop had the uh, accountability because that, that, yeah. that, it threw me. Yeah. Now, now, granted, Eli is he's a part time cop. But he works. He's a full time fireman in Camden. He was oh. working part time. Gotcha. Gotcha. So he's 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 technically, you know, he's a fireman. Yeah. Yeah. But he's just working as a cop at that time. Gotcha. And I went and I, I I walked over and now there's all these people, you know, there's cops coming from everywhere. There was there was an actual like big ass fight behind us. Like there was a big melee, but like 20 cops and people um, they're kicking cameras over all kinds of crazy shit's going on. And I go over and I'm looking for somebody with a cell phone. And as I'm doing that, Tommy's mom and his new fiance, Danielle, see me. Tommy's mom's like, Chris, where's Tommy? Have you seen Tommy? And I'm like, ah, oh, Mayor, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But in my mind, I'm going, you son of a bitch. You saw that clipboard. You saw whose name was there. You know he's missing. But I just, I couldn't, I couldn't tell her. No, I get it, bro. I couldn't do it either. So then I'm like, look, I'm just trying to find a cell phone so I can call my wife and tell her I'm okay. And they, they went up walking by and I see this, this older lady standing there and she's got a cell phone in her hand. And I said, I said, ma'am, do you mind if I use your cell phone to call my wife? And she's like, oh no, absolutely. She hands me the cell phone. And I, and I flip it open. She's like, well, can you do me a favor? And I'm like, yeah, what do, what do you need? Like looking at the cell phone, kind of like half-ass paying attention. And she's like, my three granddaughters live lived in that corner house. And I'm like dialing the phone number. And I went, what? She's like, yeah, the corner house that was on fire. My three granddaughters live in there. Can you tell me if they're okay? And I went, Ugh. I flipped the phone closed and I said, yeah, my wife's not answering. So now I see Tommy's mom and his fiance. And now the three girls that died in the fire, I'm talking to their grandma. Oh my God. I'm like, you gotta be shitting me, dude. So fast forward, you know, uh, chief classman at the time, the chief of the department, you know, he made a, he made a, he made a good call. He made a really good call. Um, he special called Philadelphia Rescue One into Gloucester. And I think it was the first time that Philadelphia has ever been called out of the city. 
into another state. Wow. And those guys came over, and at first, I, I mean, for a long time, I shouldn't even say at first, I'm, be, I'm fucking lying. Um, I was pissed off. Because I was like, no, that's our guys, dude. Yeah. We're going to get them. And it's natural to feel that way, bro. Natural to feel that way. But I did, I mean, it was a complex, you know, it was a, it was an inward outward co- collapse with a little bit of a pancake collapse and all this stuff. And I'm directly, I'm the first do engine and I'm directly involved in the rescue operations initially before rescue, rescue one got there, I don't know, six o'clock in the morning. But initially when that thing first collapsed, I'm in this little void space looking at a guy in front of me drowning in water and he can't move. And I'm trying to bang holes in the floor with a halligan bar so that the floor, the whole, the water would drain into the, into the, um, the basement. You know, we still got a fight. I sent you a picture, you know, the, the, the roof's still on fire. We got all the, we can't get the water pumped out. We can't stop the fire. We got, you know, all these people trapped. And I mean, the discovery channel does a little, um, thing on the 4th of July fire. They do a little video. I mean, some of the, let me just say this. Some of that, some of that, what they show, I mean, the video obviously speaks for itself. You don't, you don't have to be, you know, but some of the people in that video that they interview, it's almost, I look at it as almost like a stolen valor thing. They interview these people and they're like, oh yeah, we cribbed this and we used this and we did. First off, I never even saw you there. Never even saw you and you're getting interviewed talking about what the rescue operation was like. I never even saw you. Second off, you're talking about tactics that we didn't even use. Like what fire were you at, dude? It it burns my ass because it's almost like a stolen valor thing. It's like somebody came around with a microphone and a camera and said, we're from the Discovery Channel. We want to talk about the 4th of July. It's like when you talk about 9-11. Yeah. You, there's always somebody out there that's like, oh, well, I was there. And yeah. I'm like, the fuck you were, dude? You were three years old. Would you, would you go to grammar school? You, were well, you in I, I, I remember hearing stories of people who like were at assemblies talking about what they did at 9-11. And they weren't there, bro. And that's, it's disgusting to me. Hey, dude, it's like disgusting, stolen Bauer, man. 100%, that, bro. And and in that video, and I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not calling, I'm not saying any names. You know, you got to look yourself in the mirror. You know who the fuck you are. Mm-hmm. You got to look yourself in the mirror. And you know what you said. And that shit wasn't true. It's crazy, man. Uh, you got, you got to live with that, bro. You got to live with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, but the Discovery, you know, it's got a good, you know, some of the shit, like I said, some of it's bullshit. Right. Um, it's just somebody walking around with a microphone and a camera and whoever was there was like, yeah, I'll talk. And I'm like, dude, I didn't even, see. I'm like, I'm watching this video and I'm like, this son of a bitch wasn't even there. Like you were home. It's crazy. That's, that's, that's nuts, bro. Airbags and we did this. We didn't do any of that shit. So yeah, it just uh, it just it just burns my ass. But anyway, um, you know we're involved in this we're involved in this rescue operation. Us, you know me, the guys from Ladder Two, who were, who were the first first do truck company there. We're the first do companies, and like I said, I don't even know who the Rick team was. 
I'm the first two engine. They're the first two truck. And we're in this little space trying to pull guys out. Like we're the, we're the Rick team. We're the first two engine and truck and we're the Rick team. Crazy. That's how back in the day this shit was. Right, right. But like I said, the chief made a good call. He called in rescue one. And, you know, years later I realized it was a great call because those guys are not emotionally invested in the guys that are missing. The chances of those guys knowing mm-hmm. the guys that are missing were slim to none. I was just going to say that, man. It, it takes the it takes the personal part of it out of it. I mean, we we could say all day, like, yeah, there there are brother firemen in there. Of course, we're going to have that type of emotional connection, but not the type you're going to have. No. Yeah. No, I'm giving you three names: Jimmy, John, and Tom. Right. And your rescue one for you don't you don't even you can't even put a face right to those names. Whereas if you say it to us, like we're putting faces, we're putting memories, we're putting families. Shit, we just said to this dude, yeah, six hours ago. Yep. I mean, you're breaking bread at the at the table in the kitchen, right. and the next thing you know, like they're not there anymore. That's it's wild. Yeah. So I mean, like I said, it was a good call by the chief. Um, they came in, and those sons of bitches, you know, meteors went right to work and found them, you know, relatively quickly from what I can remember. Um, but, and, and they were totally, you know, total fucking professionals, um, found them, uncovered them, took a trench panel, covered them up, said, Hey, we found the guys and they were, they were all together. Um, and then they, they, they stepped back and they said, these are your guys you are taking them out. So, um, Tommy was the first one to come out. So, you know, I, I go up onto the pile and, you know, um, I just wrote, he still had his mask on, but his mask was all fogged over, but his regulator wasn't in. And I just remember, like, I could see the back of his coat. I could see his helmet. I, I knew that was his shit, but I couldn't see his eyes. And that freaked me the fuck out. And I was trying, when I moved him, I was like trying to shake him a little bit to see if any moisture would run down on the mask so I could see his eyes. So I could yeah. know, I couldn't take his mask. They said, don't take anything off of him. Don't take right. his fucking mask off. Don't do any of that. Just put him in the basket. And I, and it would, it just, you know, nothing would shake down. So it was like wax paper in their mask. Wow. So it's, it, you're, you're kind of still in disbelief because you can't physically see that person. And weird thing is is a little bit you know two years later that same you can't see that person comes back again to me so we put him in the basket you know we cover him up with the flag you know everybody there i mean everybody and their brother was there you know they very respectfully take them out take you know we walk them down put them in the back of the bus you know we do the same thing for 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 uh john we do the same thing for jimmy uh and these two guys jimmy and john uh john sylvester and jimmy west they were they were they were my instructors in the academy you know these were guys i looked up to um so you know it was just like holy shit like these these dudes are 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 good firemen you know, and they're they're people I looked up to, and and this this is this is their this is it, 
this is their demise. So it was like, you know, it was it was a long it was a long day. From there, we walked down to the church and, you know, walked back to the firehouse. And by then, it was like, I don't know, eight o'clock in the morning. You know, the call went out at one thirty-eight. So I, I was dead tired, and you know, it 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 was. And then after that, man, it was, whew, it was you know three well four funerals if you count the little girls. Three firemen funerals, not just one fireman funeral, three fireman yeah. funerals. Yeah. So I mean, we were we were we were drinking out back at a firehouse every night, every night. Um, you know, so it was. Uh, it's just what we did. You know, it, we, nobody knew what to do. You know, and then we got to go. You know. To John, to, to John's funeral, Jimmy's funeral, and then Tommy's funeral, and then the three little girls. Um, by by Tommy's funeral, my uniform was standing up by itself, and it's July. Yeah, it's fucking July. Like they were dry cleaning our uniforms because they smelled so bad from us just sweating profusely in them. Um, and and the things you're talking about, bro, these aren't things we talk about at the fire academy. We we don't prep, we don't prep firemen for firemen funerals. We say things like, "Hey, this is a dangerous job, and this this and this can happen." I mean, you know, tactically, this could happen or that could happen. But the but the demons that this creates, the loss, you know. And I said earlier, and and that is that you're breaking bread with someone in the firehouse kitchen talking about politics, like we always do, or what. Or whatever, you know, your your furnace is, is on it's on the fritz, and you got to figure out how to work it. So, you know, we're gonna take five dumbass firemen and try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But these are things we talk about, and then in a moment's notice, literally in a, in the blink of an eye, man, they're gone. And that's the part that no one prepares us for is that loss. Yeah. No, I mean it's you know they didn't talk about that shit was when I was in the academy and then. It, 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 and talk about that back then. I mean, nope. After that fire, they called in the uh, the employee assistance program, which they have. They still have to this day, which is a total crock of shit in my eyes. Someone that has gone through it and ha- it's failed them. Um, you know, we basically all sat there in this room, you know, in the training room like this. I'm good. Anybody have any questions? Nope. And then they sent a couple of us who were close to Tommy. They sent us for counsel. And you know what I did? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. good. Yeah, because if you don't believe in what is being presented to you, if you don't feel like it's 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 true and valued, then that's going to be your response. Yeah. And I, I, you know, in my eyes, in my eyes that's you know we we do this job you might get killed and you just have to fucking deal with that shit bro that's mm-hmm. it you got to deal with this you signed up you took the oath yep. you were doing this fucking job you might get killed and if it does happen to your friends whatever you got to deal with you got to suck it up don't fucking cry about it we don't want to fucking hear it 
So then you start to find other ways to deal with it. And look, I started drinking in Gloucester. It's an Irish Catholic town, right? I started drinking when I was 13 years old. I can still remember to this day, the first day I drank when I was 13. I can tell you what house I was in. It's crazy. Gloucester was actually a question on Jeopardy for the most bars and churches per capita. The answer was Gloucester City, New Jersey. I didn't know that. It's wild. Yeah. I think at one time they had like 50-some bars wow. and like 20-some churches. And 2.5 2.5 square miles. Holy. 30-some bars, 20-some churches or 19-some churches or some shit like that. I don't know. But it was, a, it was an actual question on Jeopardy. Wow. So if you have a problem with drinking, this is the perfect town for you to be in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you find other ways, you know, not that I don't, I mean, I don't think I was an alcoholic at that point, but drinking definitely was the way that I coped with the loss of Tommy. Drinking is how a lot of us coped with it. Mm-hmm. And it was just accepted, you know, it was accepted that, you know, you just, you, you went through a tough loss, bro. You just, you know, you lost your good friend. You lost one of your brothers. It's okay. Bro, how many times in your life have you heard, oh man, you, you know, you're splitting, you're splitting up with your old lady or this is going on, bro. Let's come on, bro. Let's go get a beer, man. Let's talk about it. Oh it, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know what I mean? It always oh seems to be whenever some, some shit's going down. I mean, I, I know in my life that, you know, it's been like that too. Like when, when things have presented themselves to me where I'm in a bad way, it's like the first thing you do is go grab a drink and try to figure it out. And, you know, clearly that's never the answer. Nothing yeah. good ever comes out. Nothing good ever comes yeah. out of that ever. No. Nothing ever good comes out with trying to solve your problem with the booze or being out past 12 o'clock. <laughs> nothing good after, happens after midnight. Never, so, nothing ever good happens after midnight. It's true, though. Or trying to answer your fucking problems with alcohol. It's true. I'm a fucking walking <laughs> fact of that. Um, yeah, but I mean, I tell kids in the academy, I'm like, look, man, this job does not suffer fools. You will fuck around, find out, and get dead. Or you'll get your friend killed. Or you'll get someone killed. And that's not fucking good enough. But to realize the fact that you can get killed doing this job, that's what you need to understand. And that's why you need to be proficient. You know, everybody's like, oh, you know, you got to be safe. You got to be safe. You got to be safe. You know how you it's impossibly safe safe in this job. It's possible. Well, no, it's possible. You know how you be safe in this fucking job? Be fucking good at your job. That's how you be safe. But the Be reality, good. the reality is, as soon as you get off the, as soon as you get off the apparatus on the fire ground, anything could happen. It's impossible. Let's, right. let's to be. You could try to be safe, but look at the dude that got hit in the head with a fucking air conditioning unit. Right. And the yeah. FDNY got hit in the head with an air conditioning unit. Right. That's what I'm saying. It, it, it's a hazardous profession. No matter what we do, we could. It's there. Well, like like my friend, and my mentor, and a guy I still look up to, Brian Emenecker. I mean, you know who Brian mm-hmm. is. I know Brian. Yeah. He says this all the time. This is not a safe fucking job. It says it in your helmet. It says it in your jacket. So your last warning sign 
is when you get on the truck before you leave the firehouse. That's that's it. That's your last fucking warning. Like this is a dangerous job. Right. <clears throat> you know, and I, I, I hate when people manipulate the word safety to invoke an inaction. We're not going to do anything because it's not safe. That is not acceptable. That is not your fucking job. Safe stands for search and find everyone. That's what that stands for. Now, there's a lot of people out there that don't believe that. There's a lot of people that may not agree with me. Again, this is this is Chris Ryan's opinion. Yeah, I, I have my opinion. I I've myself had episodes where I've said that and I've got backlash, but I don't care. I'm still going to say no, it. it's not a safe job. And anyone who thinks that, you know, you're you're in a safe environment, you're crazy. You're kidding yourself because anything could happen in any moment. So I I know going into this that, hey, there is a possibility I can get hurt or killed. I understand that. And I understand that. But, you know, th that that statement gets twisted so many different ways, bro. For us. so many different people who have their own agendas. But right. uh, yeah, that's that's I'll continue to say. <clears throat> I was listening to um, Chief Thompson from the Colonies Fire Department on a podcast earlier, and he he said something that that resonated with me. To the point where I was like, in my phone, I have a little section that I call Proverbs. And all it is is just quotes. Right. Quotes. Patty Brown's quote. Patty Brown. I'm wearing Patty Brown's shirt right now. It's awesome. There's dudes that are probably looking at this going, who fucks Patty Brown? Bro, you need if to you're know who asking Patty Brown yourself is. that question, the, yeah, you need to Google it, it right now. Yeah, please do. Um, you can do everything right in this job and still get killed. That's mm -hmm. a Patty Brown quote. So I got all these these proverbs as guys joke around with me at work. Um, but but they're all like they all mean something to me. Yeah. And and Chief Thompson said we need to start building a culture of risk acceptance and not risk avoidance. This is a dangerous job. If you're not accepting of that, go fucking find something else to do. I'll write up a whole list of shit that you can do instead of this job. Absolutely. Here, here. So, I mean, he, I mean, he said that I, I heard that on the podcast and I was like, like the, a light bulb went off and I was, yeah. you know, I heard trumpets. I was like, Holy <laughs> shit. That's amazing. I got to put that in my phone. <laughs> we need to keep looking for excuses to fight. You know, everybody wants to keep looking for excuses to fight less fire, but we need to justify fighting more fire and mm -hmm. why we need to do that. And he said that too. And I was just like, I need to work for this dude. <laughs> like, I need to meet this guy. I want to be friends with this dude. You know, not that we can get a beer together, but I just want to sit down and, and listen yeah. to this dude. He could read the fucking phone book and I'm going to listen to him. What, what, are you, what are you drinking right now, by the way? A monster? Yeah, just a monster. All right, yeah. so I'm drinking a cup of coffee. So, bro, it you don't need alcohol to have you know to have one of the best conversations, bro. And that, and that's what's happening right here, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. Awesome. No, I mean I've had to learn to, you know, when you sit down and you have conversations, you 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 know, and you can't do certain things, uh, and you need to alter your mm -hmm. um, drink of choice because, you know, back in the day. Yeah, we're going to go 100%. So 
Yeah, I mean, where where are we at here? We're we're at uh yeah we you know the funerals, um, shit got crazy. I mean, they're having benefit after benefit after benefit. So you know, you're you're one of Tommy's good friends. You know, you're you're one of Fireman's book. You're not paying for anything. So <laughs> you got Kate Blanchett on anything you want in the bar, right? Um. So yeah, I mean, it was you know it was a a whirlwind of emotions and you know, but you you like I said, you know, you quickly suppressed them because after about two weeks, you had to go back to work mm-hmm. and back to real life, and it was like, all right, well, I'm just going to get through work and then I'll go home and I'll deal with my emotions at home the way I deal with them. So...